Welcome to the original Vegan Business Talk with myself, Shane Jeremy James, where I discuss life-changing business advice with vegan companies who are making a true difference in the world. Hey everybody, welcome back to the next episode. And today our guests are Dom and W.E. and they are the founders of the Mushroom Angel Company. Welcome. Hi. Thank you. Awesome. Well, I feel like I'm in the pocket with you guys because you gave me your kind of like not real names, almost like your real true nicknames. So I feel like oh, yeah. we're like friends now, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Here we awesome. Well, welcome. So tell me a little bit about you guys, like uh, a bit of cliff notes on your backstory and how did you get to do what you're doing today? Yeah, well, we like to start this always with a question, you know, uh, a trivia question. So <laughs> without the trivia question, be able to think. Yeah. I think that's the best way to you do You know, nearly nearly 10 years married in July and three children later. Can you guess the number one thing that Dom and I would fight about the most? The most. The most. That's a good question. What would you fight about the most? Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I, <laughs> good job. <laughs> yeah, ironically enough, uh, food was... Uh, a, a sore spot in our yeah. marriage for a long time before starting this food business. You know, the marriage counselor they talk to you about finances, <laughs> bad associations, infidelity. They don't tell you about food fights. Yeah. They don't yeah. tell you about food fights. Yeah. So we were not prepared for what we had in store over the last few years. Yeah. But uh, nonetheless, in a twist of events, we launched a food company in the middle of the pandemic. Yeah. Um, neither of us are, are chefs or food scientists. We're just mom right. and Yep. Husband and wife, yep, right? You know, techie and finance guy, and you yeah. know, right? Yeah. So, so let's, let's let's go back for a minute to the food stuff. Let's yeah. come on. We can't leave the we can't leave the listeners hanging. Yeah. So, food, so food stuff. So, was it like one was like more plant based, one was more meat based, or or I mean, I'm sure there was some kind of in there, right? Yeah. So here it goes. She's the cutie. I'm the bald head guy. So, you know, there's no way she talks to me about food. And I'm uh, a big, I've always been a big uh, nutritional facts guy. I'm always looking, you know, for, hey, this has high fructose, fructose corn syrup. This is, you know, high on the glycemic index. And all she could say is, listen, look at me, you know, so. And no, it was more like, can you walk the talk, you know, you walk the talk, Dom right. for years had, you know, we all had our fitness goals and things. Yeah. And I'm just like, if you're gonna talk about all these nutritional facts, like I need you to look like what you're talking about. Right. You know what I mean? So, and so I was just kind of challenged in those conversations. We weren't bad eaters. We weren't fast food eaters. I just had a very, um, selective taste palette dom was more he's got a sweet tooth open. let's just say that right right <laughs> we would just kind of go back and back and forth and he would think that i was just you know i guess ignorant all around food yeah. and you know that would you know irritate me and so you know we'd have It'd our get pretty heated in the kitchen you know let's just say i'd be cooking my own meals some days okay <laughs> <laughs> yeah that mean that does mean it gets heated because if a man is decides to start cooking his own meals when a woman's like willing to do it, okay, yeah, you got some stuff going on, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. So you know oh, how that yeah. goes. But yeah. it all, you know, started to play out. I started to lean back a little bit more, you know, just let her come into her own understanding of food. Actually, walking the talk, lost about right. maybe about forty pounds uh, over the last two two and a half years. 
and oh. it started to come together. Yeah, but what did it, you know, what really did it um, was that every year, Shane, we have what we call a Daniel's Fast. Are you familiar with the Daniel's Fast? No. So a Daniel's Fast is a spiritual fast. It's it's in the Bible where you pretty much remove meat um, meat from your diet. Sugar, and you just, Breads. Okay, yeah, I know that one. Yeah, okay, got it. Yeah. 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 So you pretty much eat veggies and 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 yeah. and that was probably the only time typically where we would really all be on the same page in alignment regarding like our food and where we're gonna eat for the week and things of that nature. And so this particular year, January 2020, we were on the Daniels fast. We usually do it for like 21 days mm-hmm. and we do it as a family, the children, all of us, and we just take time to reset for the year. Um but it, the only reason why it was different this year was because months later, the U.S. declared a global pandemic. And so when we were on this fast for 21 days, I was like, you know, you're on the fast, you can prepare for it for 21 days. But then afterwards, you're ready to kind of like dig into things that you normally eat. Now, we weren't eating meat, but we were eating fish. So we had stopped eating red meat and like chicken and things a long time ago. We were primarily fish eaters, pescatarians. And um, Dom, right at the end of our fast, said that he had heard God say that we need to continue the fast. And, you know. Yeah, she wasn't ready for that. I was like. We're we're 21, almost probably 30 days in. And she's like. I'm like, I said, you ain't here right. Let me go talk to him myself. Let me go make sure God said to continue the fast. No, I really heard this. You know, this is probably about the 1st of February. And, you know, we're starting to hear all of these things going on in the uh, in the economy, obviously, in the in, from a health standpoint. And it just it just didn't make sense to continue to eat meat and, you know, put our immune systems at risk if there was right. an opportunity to not do that. So, yeah. If the challenge, though, was that I was leaving for a trip to Africa. I was going to Uganda, Malawi. And so I was like, man, I'm going to be on this fast all the way in Africa when I typically am eating like fish dishes and I'm enjoying myself. And now I got to figure out. So we get to Africa. I get to Africa. I get inspired by this chickpea dish. I come back to the States because at that time I had never really eaten a chickpea meatball or chickpea burger or anything of that nature. I wasn't wasn't privy to that kind of information. I get back to the States and I'm excited about this new recipe that I just learned. And I I, you know, I'm not a cook. Down in marry me because I was a cook. Okay, we can we can get that straight. And so um, I get home. I try to recreate it. Of course, I don't have chickpeas. And for some reason, I decided to use mushrooms, which I did not like until we launched this company. And so I made it really for Dom. So I made this burger patty for Dom, and he literally looks at me and says. I think we should take this to market. Yeah, that was yeah. it. And listen, <laughs> I don't know where that came from. I will say I'm crazy. I'm very spiritually inspired and led. And, uh, you know, just with what was going on, it just seemed like, why not? Why not yeah. now? You know, we had tried Beyond Burger. We had tried Impossible. And there's nothing wrong with those products. Um, but weren't huge fans. And the idea of a mushroom burger in a different sense, the way she made it, was just like, you know what? I don't think this is really out there just yet. Let's see what we can do with this. And so one thing led to the next. And- yeah. And we just realized really that the fight that we've been having all these years, that it really wasn't just limited to our household. There was a larger fight between whole foods and processed foods. And we just became committed to helping to solve that fight with um, a made from mushroom meat alternatives. And that's how we're here. Yeah, That's cool. So what, uh, so you started the company on what year? It was officially well, so we we incorporated May of 2020. Yeah, okay. May of 2020. 
So 2021 is when we entered the market. We had to get the food license and all those good things. And because of the pandemic, everything was delayed. So May 2021 was the first time we actually sold and exchanged money for our product in the market. Got it. And are you straight business to business or B to C? We are both. Mm -hmm. So when we, yeah, I mean, even before we actually started selling, we were hitting up all of our friends, our family. Hey, you got to try this. We want to make sure it's really good and we're not really, you know, that crazy. Mm -hmm. And so we're just sharing it with other, you know, just begging them to sample it. We would show up to people's homes with our face masks and I would make it a field trip for our kids. You can see that on our Instagram. We would, you know, either leave a bag on the front door or hand it to them, maybe take a picture. Um, But that's how we got started. And then once things kind of settled down and, you know, uh, some of the restrictions were relaxed. We went into farmers markets. And so that's where B2C started. Uh, and that was a great experience just to really get that feedback early stage. And from there, we met a couple buyers in the farmers markets and that opened the door up to uh, B2B. Mm-hmm. Cool. So what's been some of your biggest challenges? I think the biggest challenge right now, well, well let's back it up. When we first launched online, um, and just to get some context, we launched in the market in May. So that means we really got started between that summer period, right? And a frozen food, a frozen food product doesn't do the best when you're shipping it in the summertime the first time around. So the biggest (laughs) challenge was just like logistics in the beginning. Um, Thankfully, we have just great friends and family extended us grace because some of our patties look like pancakes when it got to them on the East Coast. (laughs) (laughs) You know, oh, no problem. We can vacuum seal this, put a little dry ice in a box and it'll be okay. In the middle of a hot summer, vacuum seal the pressure on it just, yeah. It's just disaster. So we were back ordered for like four months because we launched e-commerce in relationship with Farmer's Market because of, you know, our my background in tech. So they were able to launch that real quickly. We were shipping across 12, 15 states. And um, but I, we had to quickly change packaging maybe like four to five times before we got it right. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was in the, within the first four months. And so we were back ordered about four months, which was a challenge because we really didn't want to disappoint people. We were new in the market. So that was the first challenge. I think the second biggest challenge is more recently as we're scaling, um, scaling our equipment so that we can just like a, what is it, a thousand times our production. Yeah. And so, I mean, Dom can speak to that some more because you're kind of handling Yeah, that. you know, as a food founder, you're always kind of tasked with the back and forth of should we be uh, go co-packer route or should we produce this ourselves you know right. what are the margins and my background in finance was kind of uh, my calculators were going off like okay how can we actually do this and you know how can we scale this and so you know we have decided to go more of the production route ourselves okay. and 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 for now and in doing that you know, now we have to outfit a kitchen with the right electric, the right resources, make sure, you know, we're, we've gone through several audits, we're going through more, more audits to get into more stores. So it's a challenge, but it's teaching us a lot, you know, it's teaching Mm -hmm. us a lot about business that we would have not, we would probably not have known being that we're both from like the service side of things. We really have never done business before. Yeah, that's good. I mean, I always say in business, you know, it's interesting that People don't understand. They don't learn their business enough in all different areas. And I see that all the time. And so, you know, in, in, in the end, people don't realize after 10 years, only 4% of businesses are still in business. Yeah. You know, and and when we when we made our first 10 years in my first business is like 20 years ago, 
No, we celebrated like crazy because I was like, we just did something and, and we were highly profitable. And I'm like, we just did something that most of the world that can't do. Mm -hmm. Right. And I remember that with, you know, all my staff and my teams and stuff like that. Um, you know, and so I think in, in, in the reason I bring that up is what you guys, why you guys, you know, you talking about that, because I just don't think people get enough into the business to understand the workings of the business. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, you know, they think even capital is going to help, but then they get capital. I know a lot of people I've seen them blow through capital because they didn't know yeah. how where to spend the capital properly. They didn't know how to hire properly. They didn't know this person was good or not. They like it just all over the place. My 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 team always says to me they're going to get me a shirt because they always hear me say on business calls to people, "Why are you making that decision?" Mm, that's a good one. And, yeah. yeah 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 right and they, they go i hear you say that all the time so they said we're gonna get a shirt and you're just gonna wear that why are you making that decision right so did you guys uh bootstrap did you do a bit of friends and family raise did you do a bit of your own money did you you know how did you get started yeah, absolutely. We started with Bootstrap first, um, being yeah. again, with my background in technology and having a tech company already that's already been eight years in business. We're very used to um, building out really robust e-commerce marketplaces yeah. at the VPC group. And so we had resources to build online. And what we did was we did like a pre-launch. So we did pre-orders and the revenue that we generated in pre-orders was what we used to actually fulfill the orders. And that was kind of like our MVP to get started. And so that that helped us to enter the market. But since then, as we're scaling and growing, um, Dominique's been leading. Yeah, um, we had to quickly create cash flow. And so the best way I say for food founders to create cash flow is farmers markets, right? They're most forgiving. You know, farmers markets are full of uh, local vendors and local shoppers who really want to patronize local, you know, and so they will be flexible with you. We went to the market with like a beta packaging, beta product, and everyone enjoyed it. So week in and week out, probably two or three times a week, we would show up at farmer's markets and create cash that we would re reinvest in the business. Yeah. And then it got to a point where, you know, we, we knew we needed to scale. And so we started to tap into some friends and family mm -hmm. and then uh, some local CDFIs in the area have been really helpful as well. Right. Yeah, I love that strategy. And I still I think that's a great strategy for most people. And I don't think, you know, I say two things really scale a company in the end. That's community and teams. And, you know, I've been a master at building communities since the day we started with the Curves for Women franchises from the US. And people don't understand that. That's why I've won. And if you really pull back the our business right now, you would look at our systems and our process or community like an animal. You'd be like, holy crap, like this is literally like you yes. know, it's I, I call it some people look at it and they go like the, your community is so structured. It's almost like a like a gang. You know what I mean? It's like, <laughs> you know, you, you make people feel like they belong. They they move ranks. There's just different stuff. It's just a holy, you know, and I said, that's how we win, period. It's just most people will never understand that. And I tell people a lot of that, too, even listening right now is that, you know, small business owners take so much time in in the business not stepping back and working on things like that then in seven months in a year you got the market yeah, uh, right. that builds the brand yeah. um but you know who i think i always re reference who did it super well and you you look at her now and you think oh yeah she's famous now but when she was working in dive bars lady gaga was one of the best at understanding how to build community 
She mm -hmm. just dialed that in and I researched her and I knew a girl that grew up with her when they were working in dive bars together. She was unknown. And this girl said to me, um, she said, you know, she just got that community piece, Shane. Like she wasn't near as good. She how she would make people feel they belong, how she structured around them, how she and she just built that thing one at a time, 10, 30, 50, right? So yeah, I, I just believe, you know, competitors don't do that well. And that's how you win. That's how you win from the big businesses too, because they yeah. can't build tight community like, like us, like smaller businesses, right? The, the advantage they have is to spend a million dollars on ads a month on IG where we can't compete with that, you know, yeah. or other platforms, right? Um, so yeah, you, you guys are doing good. I'm, congratulations on everything. And, and your product seems amazing. So where do you guys... Um, where do you guys see the company? Like, where, where do you see it? What's your goals in five years, 10 years from today? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, the idea of mushrooms is the big conversation for us. You know, uh, we went vegan because it was a thing that we wanted to do as a family and disciplined our lives. But it's just it's not just a vegan brand. Really, uh, our whole goal is to spread the good gospel of mushrooms. And so uh, more uh, sorry, mushroom based products our our next step uh we want to make sure that we get into food service again you know a way to kind of outdo competitors where everyone is just looking for shelf space and maybe looking to kind of grow online we want to grow through our local kind of restaurants cafeterias you name it when it comes to like food service and build the brand that way because when somebody else makes a product for you and it's good you're automatically going to try to find a way to maybe find it in the store and take it home and make it yourself so we feel like that's another way to build brand yeah. and uh, opportunity to grow yeah we're just yeah. committed to digging deep you know we're really not like we understand what's going on in the marketplace our products when they are in stores are right next to the impossibles and right next to but our goal is to continue to build that community if people feel like they belong we're not we don't have this macro goal of like necessarily saving the planet, saving animals. It's it's a it's a I think it's a it's an added value from the work that we're right. doing. Ours is more like you know, you look at our story, we were on two opposite sides of the table, you know, and we were able to, who brought us together, it brings our family together. And we're just committed to people coming together, crossing paths, eating, having fun, um, choosing a healthier lifestyle. And so we're infiltrating deep. That's our goal. And I think as a byproduct, it'll expand and it'll grow. And so um, that's what we're committed to right now. I agree with you on that. I think that's a good strategy. I think that's a good move. I think that most people don't build deep like that. They don't understand how to build deep. They don't take the time to build deep. They don't understand it's a patience game to build deep. But in the end, they understand that that's what builds brand in the end. And the brand only wins in the end, period. Yeah. That's it. You know, I mean, even with our actions of compassion brand, you know, we look back even five years ago, you know, and, and, and now, we, you know, we can call a $4 billion company and they're like, yeah, let's partner. Yeah. Well, that didn't happen five years ago, you know, yeah. for us, right? People wouldn't yeah. even, vegan companies wouldn't even donate stuff to our <laughs> compassion drives, you know, and yeah. stuff like that, right? They're like, who are you guys, you know? Um, and it does take time, but in the end, that's, you just outperform in the market, everybody, because they don't, they don't take the time to build deep, build brand. Think, you know, a year from today, two years from today, three years from today. And if you do it right, you, you know, I always say it's not that competitive because mm -hmm. most small business owners 
are not good operators of businesses, mm-hmm. period. And I know when people are like watching, they don't like when I say that, but it's just the truth. <laughs> I see behind the scenes of millions of businesses, right? And and so it it just, you know, the, you, you can op, you you can outperform when you operate better. You know, and that's the that's the secret. You know, you, I see some people say to me, well, that I got a better product, that person. I'm like, I agree. Your product's way better. But I know that person. They're a damn good operator of businesses, yeah. you know, so they, they can take anything and scale. So um, tell us a little more about like the product for your guys's product. Is it like is it is it eaten in in like a different uh, like recipe like I mean is it like a like it, is it like a hamburger thing or is it like ground stuff or give me give, tell us what it's like yeah so we question. have two so we have two okay the main product that people know us for our flagship product is cruise burgers mm-hmm. uh, okay a plant-based meat alternative we say it cuts and bites like meat but it tastes like a true veggie burger mm-hmm. we're not trying okay. to be fake meat, right uh the idea and the texture come from mushrooms itself mm-hmm. and that's the patty but then we also have cruise chop which is really starting to just get in the market right now it's in a couple of restaurants and that can be used in anything you would probably use a ground beef for we have a couple of really uh tasty recipes one of them is like a cruise chop hash brown uh, we have uh, cruise chop and orzo uh also cruise chop uh, over a smothered biscuit, you know, so yeah. uh, we're playing around with that right now at a couple of local restaurants. They're loving it. And um, we're looking forward to even expanding that yeah. a little further pretty soon. I think some of our, some of our differentiating factors in our product um, as compared to some of the other ones is like number one, for example, our burger patty, it has a well, um, a wide range in cook from rare to well done. You don't typically see that in a lot of the different burger patties that right. we'll Mm-hmm. Um, it's also pre-seasoned and super juicy. Um, and so some of those kind of texture and taste, and as well as the time, it takes about five minutes to cook on both sides, air fryer, stove, stove top, right. you name it. And and so it's just like an easy, and typically when people think of a mushroom burger, they're thinking of like the mushroom top and right. it's just like fried on cap. both sides, the cap. And no, ours is not the way we've, the way we've developed the product, the way we've used vegetables and minced and all these types of things. Um, it's a true burger patty that doesn't fall apart like most veggie burgers today. And so I, it's really like we're taking it back to the basics and giving the people what they want without engineering something that doesn't need to be engineered, you know? Um, and Think of a old school veggie burger with new school flavor. Yeah. Um, nice. Yeah. That's so, yeah, that's I like that. Yeah. That makes sense. I mean, and that's the key. You know, I always tell people in this space, you know, because I, you know, been veg for so long that, you know, to shift anybody, it's got to taste good. You know, mm-hmm. like if you look back when I started, I mean, there was like a <laughs> veggie burger that tasted like cardboard from Costco, right? <laughs> like, you know what I mean, right? Like yeah, there was, there was no, there was not a lot of choices yeah. on the market back then. Um, and, and so, you know, I always say like, if it just, if it doesn't taste good, people are just not going to eat, you know, eat it. And that's why they, but when you really look back, I mean, that's why people didn't try any kind of edgy stuff before because they just didn't like the taste of stuff, right? It wasn't like they didn't want to try it. Um, so have you guys found it hard to get into restaurants and stuff? Have you guys like really had to pound down the doors, make calls, be like, hey, let's meet. Come on, give us a chance. I'm coming no. down to get you guys and show you the product, right? Yeah. 
I, I mean, I think that that's just business in general. Um, you know, you always have to be, you know, ready to do that. But for us, we got into the first 12 to 15 locations without brokers or without really, it's just knocking on doors, you know, walking into some of the stores and, and, and letting them know that we're local, that we're plant-based. I think we've been able to capitalize on a lot of key important uh, attributes of our business, right? Um, you know, plant-based, Black-owned, woman-led, local, um, just those type of things. And so- right. um it's been it's it's been good, but but then it's certainly taking some knocking though. Yeah, so I'm gonna say <laughs> then we've will, transitioned yeah. over. I think now that we're in this next phase of right where you know so distribution obviously is an important part of the food chain, yeah. right? And so yeah. we were able to get go through food shows and get into distribution through a local company called Carmela, which has helped us with that process. But one thing that yes. a lot of food founders you know kind of sh maybe struggle to realize is that just because you're with a distribution company and they're getting you on shelves doesn't mean that's going to get you off the shelves and so you know yeah. as as these distribution kind of sales people get to each and every store we're following up with that store we're setting up demos and so again the knocking <laughs> that knocking continues yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah i mean that's great that's great you understand that you know i i there's a couple of CBG brands that I work with and help just help try and get them to scale and stuff like that. And, you know, I tell them, Hey, look, you know, you got to understand though, I would do it different than you're doing it. Meaning, meaning. And I said, just what you said, I said, I don't care about the shelf. I care about what shelf the manager puts me on. I care about how the people in there talk about my product. They can put me anywhere from the bottom shelf in the left-hand corner. I don't, it doesn't matter. Nothing's going to happen. So I said, you know, we've got to figure out how we do business with these people. And we got to do business at a different level than the average person would, you know. And, and you know, I think that's such a good point, you know, of people just thinking about, oh, I'm excited to be in the store. But I got friends that are in Walmart and they don't make any money, you know, yeah. in Walmart. And you would think, yeah. oh, you're in Walmart. Now you're going to make all this money. But they don't understand how much it costs them to do this. And then if it doesn't move and all the front of costs and all this stuff, right? Yeah. It comes with it. Understand, yeah. So yeah, you get past the noise. You really have to get past the noise as a food founder yeah. and the excitement of going nationwide, being with these big distributors, and really understand what your measures of success are. You know, I really have to give Dom credit. He really leads the demos. There was a beautiful example. Uh, we were doing a demo in Grand Rapids, and we got on shelves at a new store in Grand Rapids. And after his initial demo. Dom drove over to the store just to go build that relationship because like distributors yeah, logistics, founders deal with relationships uh, and partners of our stores. And so Dom walked in and, and they were so excited to see him yeah. like that. Like he went looking for them. And I don't know if people do that enough. Yeah. Um, I know we do. We, we really truly believe all of our stores, restaurants, are partners. So we'll patronize, we'll go sit, we'll eat our products at their restaurants. We'll engage. Um, and so, yeah, I just wanted to give you kudos to that, babe. Oh, thank you. Yeah, no problem. Yeah, that's awesome. I mean, that's really, you know, that stuff is the key, you know, in the end. So that's awesome. You know, you're doing that and and understanding that part. You know, it's interesting. There was a, a girl that was in one of our business trainings, and she was just a small, probably one of the smaller in 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 the trainings, and she just literally followed everything on the customer experience that we taught her, and did all this kind of stuff to a T. Even sold the vision of how we told her to do it properly. 
And she says, she texted me one day. She's like, yeah, I just got six more accounts. But then mm -hmm. it even got better. She's like, oh, I just got a call from uh, the CEO of just about a billion dollar company. She should have never got the call. And she, he said, it's, it's, it's how we've seen you do business. And then he talked to her and he said, okay, send me some of your stuff and do all that. And then she, she did this customer experience like we taught her. And then she, he sent her a message back and he's like, we're going to meet with you because through the whole three months of how you've done this, I haven't seen somebody do this except high, high level business in the 1% in yeah. the world. Yeah. She's yeah. their manufacturer now. Wow. She's wow. never, ever, ever, ever been there. Never, wow. you know, and so it just shows it's it's so much about how you do business. And for some yeah. reason, when people get into business, they don't understand that, you know, <laughs> I, I mean, we have a thing called humanizing our business. Yes. I, I'm like, don't treat people like customers or clients or a credit card. They're humans. Yeah. You wouldn't right. treat your mom like that. You would fly 100 miles for your mom. Go. You know what I mean? Like, for some reason, when we get into business, we separate this for some reason, you know, we get so transactional driven, yeah. right? Yes. And it's very easy to fall into that. Don't get me wrong. I can tell sometimes when I start to fall into it, you know, yeah. where I push, I push, okay, step back, humanize the business. This is human, human stuff, right? Yeah. It's so true. No, I mean, we talk about it almost every single day, you know, we can get that kind of avatar effect, that kind of robotic at, at some level. It's just mm -hmm. like, okay, your customer, I'm, you know, business owner, you know, it's not like that. And yeah. and the thing that breaks that up for us is getting to those demos and having the opportunity to talk to a range of people, you know, every single mm -hmm. day and starting to understand like who really is adopting, you know, our product and why. And, you know, it, it, it forces you to break yourself out of any kind of transactional mindset, yeah. to, you know, to really connect. Yeah. He yeah, just committed to service. Huge. He just yeah. lead with service. It's like mm -hmm. we first we served our family by creating this product, and now we're just serving the world and serving people that we really owe nothing to and who owe us nothing by buying our products. And so, when we have that mindset of service and serving, we're able to navigate, you know, customers that are not so friendly and customers that are really friendly and situations yeah. that happen that you're like, you know, man, I can't take another breakdown and things that you navigate as founders behind the scenes. But uh, we just remember why why we we started and just keep going. Yeah, that's great. I mean, that's so important, you know. And I think you're right on all those demos and stuff to bail to, you know, and that I've always looked at certain, you know, CBG brands and stuff, and even just different businesses I've built. And, you know, we've always been close to the customer, or even when my people were close to the customer, I've always said, whoever's closest to the customer is going to set the culture within the company. Yeah. Yes, that's good. So it's not me. It's not me leading it. It's the girl that sends you guys the message, Kizzy on the front end, and then it keeps going. They're starting to set the tone for yes. what happens. So, you know, it's such a critical position to understand that that sets it. And, and a lot of people don't think, well, well, why do you talk about culture? Well, culture is set the day you open a business. Every move you make creates starts to create culture, right? And, and that's either going to go good, bad, or, or ugly, or great, you know, right? So. Yeah. So um, one last question for you guys, and then I'll let you go. Um when you guys kind of started and, and you were looking at the idea and stuff and you were like, okay, you know, you said, Hey, we should take this to market. Uh, you're getting excited. 
did you pull the trigger right away? Like when you guys made the decision and, and you looked and you were like, okay, let's do it. Did you pull the trigger right away? Let's sit, go for it. Or did it take a little bit of talking? Should we do this? Shouldn't we do this? How did that happen? Well, I know this is not, you know, yeah. probably classic business 101, right? yeah. like uh, MBA style. But <laughs> yeah, we did. We yeah. pulled the business. We pulled the trigger immediately. You know, um, I was in a successful career in financial services and loved it, you know, but the pandemic is, I think, what catalyzed that that unction to just pull it right away uh, because there were so many things changing in our in our world. Our kids had to come home from school, kind of uh, some of um, the business opportunities that I had were, were changing. And so it just seemed like, you know what, why not now? And uh, with that, uh, you know, our faith, we, we came to we're, we're, we practice Christianity, you know, and uh, faith for us is important. So, you know, we just jumped out there and, and we knew that we would fly. Yeah. Yeah. We just had a, a sense of peace in the midst of chaos. And I mean, it's been challenging navigating and we didn't have the background, but things have just been aligning because we've been faithful to Dom's point. And, you know, I, I love to always tell the story that Dom and I actually met at a business conference in L.A. You know, we're both from the East Coast, didn't know each other some 14 years ago and at a business conference. So when he said, let's do it, it was one of those things where it's like we've been no we knew we were going to get into business eventually at some point in this journey. So when he said, let's do it, I didn't even question it. I said, okay. And I was just like, let's do it. You know, our family knows he's crazy and knows I'm crazier for trusting his crazy. And so it was one of those things where we told the family we're launching a food manufacturing company out of Detroit. Um, they were all, everybody was in. And, uh, and so, no, it's not textbook, but I think once you get into it, you then start to have to put on, you know, put in some of those principles and practices around business. And Dom and I are pretty savvy in business. Um, and so we've been able to kind of navigate with a lot of great help and support here in the Detroit, Michigan ecosystem. So shout out to like all of our partners and supporters. Um, so that's how we've been able to transcend the challenges of bootstrapping a business right. <laughs> unplanned that's a uh, so that's amazing well last question what do you think the what do you think one of the number one most important skills a person needs in business to make it it's going to say sales but that comes right along with persistence right you you have to know how to get through rejection and you know use entrepreneurship as an opportunity to self-develop I think that's probably one of the biggest things I've learned is how to become a better person, uh, more disciplined, uh, better husband, a better father through entrepreneurship. And then that's just going to it's just going to it's a magnet. It starts to become a magnet. And then from there, you know, everything happens. So start with, um, you know, the idea of entrepreneurship is going to better me, not 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 necessarily from a monetary standpoint, but from a character standpoint, then that's going to play into your ability to persist, to fight rejection, um, and to obviously find find your community and build the culture like you had mentioned earlier. Yeah, and just to support what Dom is saying, I, I, I leave everyone with this, even when I'm asked to speak and things of that nature. For me, in life and business, it is to always live at the level of your consciousness and never at the level of your circumstance. You know, what people see today is not a reflection of what we're actually experiencing behind the scenes. It's the reflection of what we believe is possible for our lives, for our business, and for this world. And so I think entrepreneurs, business people, individuals live at the level of your consciousness 
and never at the level of your circumstance. And eventually your circumstances will match and reflect your consciousness. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I agree with that. I actually have a, 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 it's interesting. I have a training called live your t-shirt brainwave synergy. I'm heavily trained in brainwaves and consciousness and all that stuff. So uh, you're right in, in, in my field on that. And that was interesting because that was, you know, people all over the world have taken that program. And um, when I, we started doing business stuff um, before I would just do more consulting and stuff like that and go in and help structure and stuff. But when we started doing more group stuff, I added that in with the businesses, but I didn't even hard sell it. I was just like, oh yeah, I got this training. You know, I'm going to put it in for free. I think we'll get results. We'll all do it together. That really, that was the sales pitch on it. And I didn't realize how they took to it. Like how they took that body of work and kept working it, working it and being like, oh, I have no stress now, Shane. I think differently. I make different decisions. I keep my energy up. My emotions are better now. And I actually downplayed, like I really downplayed it. And, you know, and I didn't, you know, because I just thought, oh, they just want the business stuff. You know, they want to help me execute better, create better systems and operations and all that. Right. Okay. I get it. So I just downplayed it, but it's amazing. All of them were like, in, in our group training calls, if I didn't talk about it, they're like, hey, you haven't talked about the brain stuff yet. <laughs> like literally, right? So yeah, it's just such an important piece. And I, I'm kind of, I don't know, I understand how I overlooked that. Maybe, and I said that to my team, I really overlooked that a lot. And I think maybe it's just because maybe I got, I got it too much that mm. I just was like, here it is, but then didn't realize how it actually truly helped somebody at that deeper level, right? So yeah, I'm with you on that. <laughs> so where can everybody find you guys at uh, websites social medias anything like that yeah you can find us at the mushroomangel.com that's the new website that's launching we currently um we, you can currently visit us at cruiseburgers.com um eventually it'll redirect to mushroom angel it launches in april the new site new products new branding everything and then uh, but you can find us on ig instagram the mushroom angel company you can find us on ig on facebook we're very findable online so um if you type it in uh you can definitely find us the mushroom angel company on social media awesome well everybody go check them out uh, you guys are doing good things. I can tell your product is good. Uh, you guys are going to do well. I'm excited for you guys. Thank you so much for doing this interview, you guys. Thank, Thank you. you. <laughs> You're so welcome. And to next time, everybody, make sure you guys go and join our uh, Compassion Kingdom once a month. Uh, you know, we travel all over. I travel all over the world doing Compassion Acts. Um, last month, we raised about 500 jackets for the homeless. Um, every month, we go out and do something for the less fortunate we have a global community um, we all get together in that community and just try and make the world better just become more compassionate and spread so that's at actions of compassion.com everybody and uh, again thank you guys so much for this thank you Shane. thank you